Hey, what's up, everybody? It's day number 18 on our 30-day Bible reading journey, and I'm so proud of you, and uh, y'all are going strong, and I just want to encourage you to keep going, keep digging, keep seeking. I guarantee as you dig into God's Word, He's going to be faithful to keep showing you, keep speaking to you, keep talking to you, and man, just just keep on putting in the work, being disciplined, and I know God is speaking to you, and man, I would love for you guys to reach out to us and share with us how God is using this time to speak to you. So reach out to us, hello at lifehousenn.com or send us a text message or something and just let us know how this time is speaking to you. But today I get the honor in day number 18 uh, of talking to you about Ephesians chapter one. So starting off in the book here of Ephesians, just a little context is this is a, a letter that Paul wrote to a church he planted in the city of Ephesus, okay? So Paul, he was a church planner and pastor and apostle, and Paul would go and travel and spend two or two to four years in different cities and plant churches and then raise up leaders and go somewhere else. So Paul, I mean, just think about a father, right? Paul, he had this father heart. He would go into places, meet people, preach the gospel, do miracles, do healings, People would get saved and he would build up a church, install leaders and leave. And then, but then guess what? These churches would have problems. Shocking, huh? Churches would have problems. These churches would have problems and they would have questions and they would want to know things. And so Paul, what he would do, he couldn't Facebook live them or he couldn't record something and send it to them like we're doing now. He had to, um, Paul had to write letters and that's what he would do. And that's what we see primarily in the New Testament uh, we see Paul writing these letters to these various churches he planted and giving them instruction, pastoral instruction on different things. And so what we see here in chapter one is we see Paul in this first part here in verses three through 14, letting the church in Ephesus know the spiritual blessings they have in Christ. Y'all, this is so rich and deep. I could spend a sermon, a sermon series on this stuff, but I'm going to break it down for you quickly. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, Paul here is saying, look, church, I need you to understand all of these spiritual blessings you have in Christ. In verse number three, he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he dives into what these spiritual blessings are that I want you to get and there's some powerful key words here that I want us to, to, uh, or that I want to point out to you. That honestly, as you're reading through scripture, be looking for powerful words, right? Because there can be so much power in one word. A couple of them here that the that, uh, that I want to point out to you is this first word. It says predestined, right? Just think about the fact of you were on God's mind before you were even born. I mean, just say, I mean, you were pre- like God was thinking about you before you were born. That's how much God loves you. This, you know, scripture says in Psalm 139, the, the, when you were in your mother, like that God knit you together in your mother's womb. And that should, man, speak to you today that you have value, you have worth, you have significance, that God loves you. He values you. And I don't know today what your self image is like or what you place your value on today or but, but just know you were on God's mind. He, he predestined you. He was thinking about you before you were even 
born. But the second powerful word here that I want to point out is this word adoption. That through Jesus Christ, a spiritual blessing that we have in Christ is that we are now adopted into God's family. That we are now sons and daughters of the living God. That our identity is not what we do, it's not what we make, it's not what we have. It's not what someone else or the culture defines us as. Our main identity is a son and daughter. We've been adopted into the family of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. But also, too, the third the third word here that I would like to point out is this word redemption, right? He says this, that in love he predestined us for adoption. And, and this is verse number four. In love, no, excuse me, well, the end of verse four and starting in verse number five says, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins. That word redemption, meaning you've been bought back. You've been bought back. And that is the essence of what the gospel is, that you have been redeemed. That you were sold you were sold as a slave to sin. That you know, and scripture says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glory. All of us have. But Jesus came and paid the price. He came and gave his own life and bought you back and said, I will trade my life for your life. And he said, I want to redeem you. And 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 what this says here is, is it says that one of the spiritual blessings we have is that we have redemption through Jesus Christ. But then here, when you go to the very uh, the very end of this portion here when it says uh, in verses number uh, uh, 13 and 14 it talks about how we've been given the Holy Spirit and what and and how Paul describes this is remarkable he says this when you believed you were marked in him with a seal and when it says when you when you believe in him he's talking about Jesus and the gospel you were uh, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What he's saying here says this, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit, basically saying we've been marked. That, that during this time of being, you know, during this time of being in the flesh, you know, we're not with God for eternity yet, but on this side of eternity, we have the opportunity to have fellowship with God through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus said. When Jesus said, I'm leaving you, right? This is whenever Jesus, he resurrected. He said, I'm leaving you, but I'm gonna send you a helper, a counselor. I'm gonna send someone to be in you and be with you. And that was the Holy Spirit. And we can see the book of, of Acts, whenever you know the Holy Spirit fell and came and the Spirit filled people. And what Paul was saying here is that the Holy Spirit is a marking. It is a deposit. And it says it's guaranteeing what is to come in the future for us. In other words, we can have a foretaste right now of communing with God through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And let's not put the Holy Spirit in the background, right? Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And I pray that during this time as you are opening God's word and encountering the Bible, you will be reminded that the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible and that whenever you open the word of God, you're opening up your life to the Holy Spirit and saying, come and fill me, fill me, fill me. And that's what I'm praying for you as you read God's word and in your daily life that you would fill or that you would feel the, the Holy Spirit filling you with his love, with his joy, with his peace, with his, uh, with his power, with his patience, with his self-control and everything that the Holy Spirit gives. All right, but now we're gonna jump to, to the second section 
where we see Paul transition into getting really pastoral and he goes into a pastoral prayer. And, th- and I relate with this. Like I relate with this part where Paul, he gets into this portion where he starts to share his feelings about the people at this church. And I like whenever I see and hear this prayer, it, 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 it literally is like, man, these are the same things that I wanna pray for people at Lifehouse Church. So what I wanna do is actually read this to you this whole prayer, it's going to go from, from verse number 15 to verse number 23. And I just, and I mean, seriously, as I'm saying this, I want you to know this is what I'm praying over you. The same thing that Paul prayed 2,000 years ago for the church then is the same things that I want to pray for you right now. This is what Paul says. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I love that. I've not stopped giving thanks and remembering you in my prayers. This is for you, Life House. But then, but then Paul says this. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let me let me just here highlight quickly the three things that Paul prayed over the people in the church in, in Ephesus. He said this, he said, I ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Man, I, I pray that daily. God, give me a spirit of wisdom to know and a spirit of revelation for you to reveal yourself to me. Why? So that we may know him better. You know, there are some things that wisdom will help us with, but at the same time, revelation is God revealing something to you. It's beyond human comprehension. It's beyond human wisdom. It's beyond education. And it is something that only God himself reveals to you. And that's what I pray for you. But then it says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you you may know the hope to which he has called you. That your heart would be enlightened to the hope you have in Jesus. I know it feels like we are in hopeless times, but I pray the Holy Spirit right now would reveal to you again the hope we have in Jesus Christ. But then it says uh, that that also too, that you would know the incomparably great power for us who believe. And then what he does here, he goes into how he basically says the same spirit that lived in Jesus Christ when he rose from the dead lives in you. Get that. The same spirit that lived in Jesus Christ lives in you. I need you to get that. When you feel defeated, when you feel beaten down, when you feel anxious, worried, you need to remind yourself of what God's word says. The same Holy Spirit that worked 2,000 years ago, that's worked through thousands of years in history, we have access as followers of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to access that spirit. Even just pray this prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me. You can pray right now. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Do you know what the great thing is? When, when you pray things according to God's will, and it's God's will that, you're, that, that God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit, he'll do it. I guarantee you. And some of you up right now, even, even as you're praying that and saying that, 
you're you're going to possibly start to say things that sound that sound weird. I believe that that the Holy Spirit, when He fills you, you're going to be able to do supernatural things. You're going to be able to see things differently. You're going to be able to see things in people's in people's lives that they're going to be like, "How did you know that?" You're going to be able to pray differently. You're going to be able to read God's word differently. You're going to be able to live with different with different authority. And that's what I want to pray for you right now as we're going to close out because I'm all going way past my time. I just want to pray that God would fill you. That you would know the hope to which he's, to which he's called you. The power you have as a Christian. Um, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation that God would fill you. Let's pray. Put your hands up with me, will you? Heavenly Father, every person listening right now, I pray you'd fill them. Fill them afresh with your word, your spirit, and your truth. And God, we know you've given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So God, I pray right now you would mark and fill each person, each person right now listening to this. I believe you'll do it. I believe you've done it. And I believe that today we will walk in a new power, a new authority. And I just pray that that would be our prayer every day. God, fill me. Lord, fill us. Fill us and then spill out of us so we can be your hands, your feet, and your, and your representation on this planet. In Jesus' name, amen. Lifehouse fam, I love you. I'm proud of you. Keep on going strong, and we're going to keep on trucking, and we're going to keep on letting God speak to us and transform us. Love you, Lifehouse.